Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of the 100% Wild Podcast. Mark Kenyon here from Wired to Hunt, and today in the show, we're going to be answering a listener-submitted question about how to start out on a new property. We cover all sorts of different things about scouting and preparing and getting set up in a new spot. So hopefully you're going to enjoy this one. We also talk a little bit about our turkey hunts this spring, so it's a good time, and I hope you enjoy it. All right, folks, welcome to another episode of the 100% Wild Podcast. I'm Mark Kenyon here with Wired to Hunt. On the other side, we've got Matt Drury. How are you, buddy? What's up? I'm good, my man. I also have Tim Chelsvik from the Thinking Woodsman hey. here. Hey, guys. Hey, Tim. He's going to start uh, joining us on all the podcasts. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be able to bring a lot of uh, – we've had a, him on a couple so far, and he's yep. brought some good insight, and uh, I think uh, we're going to – Start keeping him on every podcast if we can. I like that because I think he, he helps keep you in line over there, Matt. Someone's got to be there keeping the, you on a leash. The discipline, yeah. Yeah, if Mark Drury's not here, I, I'm pretty much just a free-for-all. <laughs> <laughs> Stay on track. <laughs> That's right. It's good. So, it's good. Things are good? Yeah. I uh, got a turkey down a week and a half ago, and that's good. So I'm a happy camper. How was, uh, how was the season up there? That was in Michigan, right? Yeah. So how are they gobbling? How are they acting? Uh, pretty good. Um, you know, not as much activity. We never have incredible gobbling in the afternoons, I guess, from my own personal anecdotal experience. But that's been a little bit less maybe so than, than even in past years. Uh, but the mornings, good activity, seeing a lot of birds, hearing a lot of birds. Um, so, so, yeah, that was a week and a half ago. We had a good, like, four days I was hunting and uh, had a good time. And now this coming weekend... I've got a bunch of friends coming into town who are going to be hunting. Um, I already filled my tag, but I'll be kind of acting as tour guide, I suppose, helping them get on some birds and uh, calling in some some toms, hopefully. So, hoping that the activity is still good now as we get later into the later into the season. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's been on average a pretty normal year. Yeah, how's your adventures in mouth calling? You ready to join the circuit? <laughs> yeah, you know what? I actually am feeling really good. I've I've come a long way. I feel like this year, pretty confident now in how things went. That was uh, the bird I killed was the first bird I've ever called in using just a mouth call. So that was cool. cool. Um, nice. Uh, yeah, it's it's so nice. In the past, I'd always been so dependent on the slate. And uh, it was really nice this year not to have to worry about ever grabbing for anything. You know, I could just keep hold of that gun and stay focused on not moving at all and, and just yelp them right in. So uh, I, I'm glad I was finally able to figure it out. Sweet. Yeah. You guys had any luck? Well, one of us did, and it was not me. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it sucked, man. We I went back up to Dad's, and, you know, we... You know, we got between what he owns there in, in North Missouri and what we lease for turkey season between like Chris Comstock and Chad Kilmer, a couple of the guys that we hunt with. I mean, we got a couple thousand acres of dirt to cover for turkey season and they would not play. They just wouldn't. I mean, it was, um, you know, off the roost. They they on the roost. They gobble great. You know, I, I, I was within probably 80, 60 to 80 yards of them on the roost both mornings I went because uh, we just traditionally know they're on dad's farm. It's called Boone Ridge where we know that they roost every year and we got in tight on them and uh, man, they just wouldn't, you know, they always had a, a hint or two with them and this one gobbler and he just wouldn't play and uh, he'd fly down and you'd never hear him again. 
uh, Chad and Chris. I think they only killed one turkey. I don't think Chad killed any in three weeks. Uh, Chris killed one in three weeks. I think that was week two. Uh, I didn't kill any. Uh, Mar- uh, Terry, dad, and his camera guy forced on on that the property that we have to hunt in that area. So within like a you know a tw- probably a twenty uh, mile radius. No, nothing. So it wow. was, you know, That's it was, killer. it was, it was brutal. <laughs> I mean, we had all that dirt and not one, I, one turkey got killed off of it. So yeah. I know he's, Tim's got a better, he's got a success story, <laughs> a better story well, than it, I did. And, and it didn't look likely because it was Saturday. So the second to last day of season, my buddy went out to the property the night before to roost some birds and it was dead silent, nothing. So we kind of got together and we're like, well, let's just set up in a spot where we killed before, killed my dad probably two or three years ago. I had some jakes come up on this ridge. I had some good trail cam pictures of birds here before. And so we set the blind up, got settled, didn't hear any gobbling off the roost, calling, calling, waiting, waiting. And then around 6.30 or so, we hear some gobbling about 200 yards down in in this kind of central pasture in this cattle ranch that we hunt. And uh, the birds started working closer and then started falling back and working kind of like a wave coming at you, then coming away and then then going away. And then they shut up and um, probably I was like 6.45 a.m., I hear my buddy saying, birds, birds, we got birds. And I look over, and sure enough, these two big gobblers are coming up this uh, this old access road onto the ridge that we're on. And it's just like it's supposed to happen. They came right to the decoys. They started roughing them up. And, uh, and I arrowed the first one. So I was bow hunting him. Uh, arrowed the first one. And he just kind of did a flip and then took a lap around the decoys. He didn't know what happened. And the other one hung around also. Two came in. And my camera guy, we swapped. I took his camera and he grabbed his gun and he dropped the second bird and we doubled out by 645, 650. And you're just like kind of looking at each other like, I guess that just happened. That's you could sit till till one o'clock here in Missouri and nothing happens or you could be done by 7 a.m. You just never know what's going to happen. That's part of the magic to me of turkey hunting is is it's a it's a grab bag every time you go out. Sounds like. There was turkey for lunch. <laughs> yeah, we, we actually had we had turkey nuggets for dinner that night. Yeah, there awesome. you go. That's awesome. That's a finally du- the double is not easy to pull, especially with two different weapons. That's yeah, nice. and, and to get it on camera, it was yeah. it was beautiful. Yeah, cool. it was. Maybe you guys had to pull Tim and his buddy over to your neck of the woods, Matt. So <laughs> yeah. they got house done. <laughs> we we need a pro. Right. So. On the other hand, Mark and his crew have killed every turkey yeah. in every state. You know, it's a killing tour. It, the, well, he calls it the turkey yeah. tour, right? They were just in Nebraska, and I, I don't know. They had like five, six tags, something like that, and they tagged out. Yeah. It just, I I think that's why he doesn't hunt at dad's place anymore. Cause that's used to, that used to be where our entire Turkey camp was and slowly, but surely the the numbers have been in such a decline there in Northern Missouri in that area. And I, I honestly, I've heard this from a lot of Missouri hunters this year, how bad the season was yeah. where you might hear 14 gobblers and it's down to three or four, you know, in, in on a farm or whatever. I mean, that, and that's kind of the story for us in, in and around where we're hunting. So it's alarming. I think it has a lot to do with um, predation, too many coons, you know, uh, too you know, too many things getting into those nests. I think you know we had a couple bad hatches with wet springs yeah. and stuff like that in a, in a row, and and we just didn't have a good uh, crop of, of jakes coming up. So it's it's not good, um, and I don't know. I think if it keeps going this way, Missouri might have to look 
back at the old rules and regs they used to have, which was just one bird uh, in two weeks. Yeah, yeah. So, the Department of Conservation is looking at different options right now to, yeah. because harvest numbers were somewhere in the thirty thousands, I think, for yeah. the entire turkey season, which is very low for Missouri. And, and 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 they knew that going in. They were kind of putting out press releases that it's going to be a tough turkey season. Yeah, well, it was. <laughs> it, it kind of sounds like Matt that maybe you guys need to find a new property. And hey, is speaking this a of wow. speaking of new properties, <laughs> rolling into it, yeah, very smooth. Should we should we get to our question of the day? <laughs> yeah, let's get to the question of the day. Hey guys, this is Mike Green from Central Florida. Um, I just got a new lease in Georgia. My question to you would be: When you guys acquire a new piece of property to hunt. When do you start scouting it? How hard do you scout it, and how long? When do you uh, when do you hang your sets, and when do you back off to keep intrusion down? I appreciate the show and and look forward to your answer. Thank you. All right, uh, it's a great question, and and honestly, I think it's one that a lot of a lot of guys are are dealing with right now. The timing is kind of right now because yeah. frankly, like he was talking about scouting, and when you when you do all that stuff. I think even like land sales, the hottest time for land sales is usually like the February, March, April timeframe. Um, so, you know, people, it's on their mind. Season's over. It's on their minds. They're out looking for new pieces, uh, whether it's to lease or own. And um, realistically, you know, that time of year before the screen, the spring green up hits and the foliage starts coming out is perfect to go scout. So like, you know, here it is, uh, middle of May. You're st- it's kind of getting too late. It's, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's not really ever too late, I guess, but it, it's getting a lot harder because, you know, foliage, at least down here in the Midwest, I mean, maybe where you're at, it's just starting to green up. I don't know how far in the season you are up there, but it's fully bloomed up here. And, um, it, it, it's just a lot harder to scout in those w- once it gets to that point. Yeah. So, um, you know, for, for us, I, you know, February is a great February, March is a great time to, to walk your property. Cause not only are you scouting via, you know, you're looking for sheds, but you're looking at trails, you're looking at kind of bedding, you, you know, you're really getting honing in on all those different things that you need to know come fall, but it's, it's, it's the least intrusive time to do right. it. So I, I don't know, Mark, what's your thoughts there? Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with you. I think you know, it, it of course depends on when you pick up that new property. So I'd say as soon as you can is the best time, right? Um, but if if possible, if you're able to pick up that new property, like you said, in that winter time frame or early, early spring before green up, that's perfect. Because you know, just like you mentioned, you can see all the sign from last year's rut still. You can see beds. You can see rubs and scrapes really well. You can see the trails that were being used the previous fall and winter. So definitely try to start at that point. Now, if you're picking up your new property, you know, the day before hunting season, though, then you got to think things through a little bit differently. You got to, okay, yeah, I need to learn something about this new property so I can hunt it now. But at the same time, you can't do the same kind of scouting the day before hunting season that you would do in February. So in that case, you really got to be thinking about the impact on the deer herd. So just be thinking, is this, do I have plenty of time to do some significant scouting without needing to worry about, you know, bumping and educating this deer? Or if not, then don't do that kind of aggressive scouting. Your scouting that first season is going to have to be basically observations from hunting and map scouting. And then after that first season, then you can start doing that, that further digging in, but you don't want to mess everything up before you even get a chance to hunt it. So I would say though, 
number one, before I even started walking the property, whether it's in February or August, I would spend some significant time with my maps and really studying the maps and thinking through the big picture. What are the areas that I think are going to be the best bedding areas based on the cover and, and structure that I'm seeing in the maps? Where do I think those best food sources are going to be? What are some of the different topographical features that I think might be funneling deer movement? And what I like to do when I get a new property is, is I spend that first, you know, I take that first day or whatever just looking at my map and kind of circling all those hot spots that I, that I think will be hot spots. Um, and then when you go and scout for the first time, you can be a lot more efficient because you can go on the ground finally and in the ground truth, those specific areas that you think will be the highest priority. So now I know the spots that I think there should be bedrooms. I'm going to go there and check and see if I'm right. And that way, rather than walking aimlessly um, all around, which, which, yeah, at some point when you have the time, you do want to kind of cover a new property head to toe and, and make sure you understand everything that's on it. But if you're crunched for time or if this is something where, you know, you're driving across the country and you've got two days or something, you want to be efficient. So that map work ahead of time can really help you focus your time and effort to make sure you're, you're zeroing in on the best places. And then once you're there on the ground, then, you know, figuring out those core pieces of the puzzle, which are bedding areas, food sources, transitions, pinch points, um, that's going to help you get started at least. But um, like I mentioned, I think it's just very important to remember what amount of impact is okay at a given time. In February, you can walk everything and it's probably going to be fine. Uh, September 10th, it's going to be a different story. Um, so those are a couple thoughts right off the bat. I, I know he talked a lot more about when to back out. He asked about when to hang sets, things like that. Um, but I guess before we go into that, Tim, do you have any other thoughts to the first part? Yeah, I, I just don't think you can overlook the importance of low impact scouting. Also, talking to folks that frequent the area, like bus drivers, um, mailmen, uh, neighbors, those kind of things. If you have a drone, you fly the drone over the property. If you if you can manage that, to you can, you can see trails that you might not be able to see on the ground, and see patterns in the in the topography. Uh, those things are all low impact things you can do to get intel before you you push in. And then, like, like you mentioned, if you pick up a property in short order you got to go in it's you know and, and this has happened to me i've done kind of observational hunts where i'm taking the bow with me i'm hunting but really i know that this is a low this is a low probability of seeing deer i'm going to hang back on the periphery and start to push in kind of incrementally and watch and observe and see how the deer are moving on the property knowing that i'm not going to have high expectations for killing something this is more just kind of watching but then you never know because you haven't been on the property yeah sometimes you just get lucky and i'll take that luck any day right <laughs> <laughs> that's most of the time i kill a deer <laughs> now what about to the second part of his question because we kind of talked about when to start the scouting what some of that high level scouting looks like um but now we're actually doing some work hanging stands getting things prepped um at least for me usually i like to do the main scouting that in that early pre-green up phase but I actually like to hang my stands post green up because lots of times you're trimming out stands or trimming out shooting lanes or doing all that kind of stuff. And if you do that in February before all the new growth, and if you're not coming back in there to check it again, everything's going to be grown over and, and you're going to show up to your tree stand in November and everything's going to be different than when you set up that tree stand. So sometimes what's helpful to do is to get in there, see how it looks in February or March before green up, maybe, maybe get the stands up then. But then know that it's going to be different. Come back in July or something after green up and then retrim your lanes, 
re you know recheck and make sure you can climb up into your tree stand without getting without getting hung up on stuff. Again, I think that that new growth is just something you need to take into account. Um, so I like to have my stands up at least by midsummer. Again, not having them too close to that hunting season. And, and he asked, when do I back out and let the property lay? I would say give it as much time as you possibly can, but my minimum is always one month before opening day. So that's always the, the I, I never will be on my property except for like a very low impact trail camera pull um, for those final 30 days leading up to the opener. Um, and in a perfect world, even more so if I could. Um, what, what do you guys do on that front? Yeah, I mean, you know, personally, like last year on the lease, I feel like we screwed up a lot of deer movement because we were in there messing around, whether it be with fall food plots or we hung a couple sets late, you know, in the summer and, uh, you know, we put up a, a muddy bull blind, you know, right kind of in the thick of of the middle of the property. And I, I think ultimately that hurt us for the first, I mean, we weren't seeing our deer, the, the, who we were after, uh, pH, we didn't see him for like a month of the first part of the season. It was crazy. It just disappeared. I mean, there was a few factors there. The acorns were heavy that year. And I mean, but I, I felt like looking back, I felt like our intrusion hurt us majorly. And that's something that Mark and Terry preach nonstop. And it's, it's one of those deals where I know it. I mean, I know I shouldn't have been in there, but I had to get the stands in and we were just kind of late to the game. No, no real excuse why <laughs> we should have, we should have been, you know, done in May and, and June, but life gets hectic and busy and it's just hard to get, you know, it's an hour away. It's just hard to always get up there. And I think those guys that say, you know, are, are from down South and they travel up to the Midwest to, to a lease or something like that, or a property they own that they're probably masters at planning this stuff out a little better. You know what, if they're coming up for spring food plots or planting like beans and corn, they're probably getting a lot of that stuff done, you know, trying to make the most out of their time up there. And I think because we're only an hour away, it's a good and a bad thing because it, we procrastinate a lot yep. and, and, and you know, off, yeah. put it off. And, uh, this year, you know, I, I'm not like the lease is pretty much set up. We got to go in and check some stuff, maybe trim some, some lanes. Um, like you said, after the spring green up, but other than that, like I plan on by and large staying the hell out of it, <laughs> you know, cause it, I really do think we adversely affected it. Now we got a new piece that's, you know, 10 minutes away from there that dad and I purchased and that's a different story. Like, you know, it's, we got all the work to do. It's never had any food plots on it. We got, I mean, we got to start from scratch. We got to, um, we got to tear out some, some, you know, probably, I don't know, five, six year old, um, maple trees. And, you know, so we got a lot of work to do. Well, we went up last week to start the work and it's completely underwater. It's flooded oh, it's on the Mississippi. And so it's like, Jesus, man. It's like I actually was going to try to be ahead of the game for once. And Not so much, you know, here, here we're going to probably be stuck uh, waiting until, you know, you, it kind of told us it's like our gut instinct was to not plant any food plots there until fall. Yeah. So don't put any beans or corn because it could flood, yeah. you know, spring, summer, sure Mississippi. Yeah. And sure enough, it flooded. So um, now that being said, can we get in there, hang some stands? Yes. Can we get in there and start clearing doing the clearing that we want for a few of these food plots. Yes. And that's kind of what we were starting to yeah. do. I want to put posted signs up. I want to, you know, do, put a gate up and, and all that other kind of stuff. So, um, you know, once the, once the waters, you know, recede, we're going to 
go back up and reevaluate. But uh, I definitely think like last year, we, we just screwed up the lease totally by being in there too, too much and too late. It's easy to do. It, and it seems like it's pretty safe to say that we're never completely happy with our setup. No, <laughs> you, no. You just, you, there's always more you could do. There's always more you wish, more time you wish you could spend, more time trimming, hanging more stands, yeah. more trail. It's just, it, it's a chasing after the wind. Sometimes you just have to be happy with, okay, we did our our best job and this is what we got. I'm there on the leash. <laughs> <laughs> we just get the food in, get get out. Yeah. <laughs> When do you like to get your stands up, Tim? Are you kind of in the same ballpark as what we've been talking about, or do you have a different perspective at all? Yeah, I, so I, I, I like to do my inventory with, with the trail cams over the summertime, of course, and then early August. So I have a limited number of trail cams and a limited number of stands. And so I have to be very strategic on where I put them. And and I want to put them in places where I know that there are good deer coming through. And so usually I'll do kind of the inventory over the summertime and then, uh, and then hang the stands in early to mid-August at the very latest. And then I get the heck out of there and I don't come back until it's time to hunt. I like the deer to be surprised. Like I want to, I want them to hear the bowstring go off and that's the, the only, uh, artifact they have of me having been there. That's that perfect scenario. It is perfect. And, and it rarely happens, <laughs> but that's what I shoot for. Got to shoot for the stars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, right. yeah. I, uh, man, I was out yesterday, touring someone else's property kind of seeing how they set everything up and the habitat work they've done and everything and it just got me just got me all fired up and excited for all the the projects that i want to do this summer and in late spring so it's going to be that time of year prep work the summer prep work begins and uh that means that we are just a few short months away from actually being in a tree which is kind of crazy to think about so uh before it. <laughs> uh, yesterday I was thinking about it. It's like, I'm still seeing, you know, like Mark and his group are out turkey hunting and I'm still seeing people, you know, cause even like PA and those seasons are coming in. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, um, so those, of course, all those people are posting about it on social and I'm thinking, God, I'm, I'm actually I'm, sick of turkey I'm over, season, I'm over turkey but season. half, then I had to really think about it. Is it because, is it like a jealousy thing? Like, cause I didn't kill. There's part of that. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, all right stupid turkeys let's move on to deer <laughs> yeah. so, I, I, mentally i'm back on a deer <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i guess with that said uh do we need to wrap this up or is there anything else that we should touch on i think we covered it pretty good yeah okay. we're good awesome well on my side if you want to send in a question let us know over at wired to hunt.com slash 100 wild make sure you're subscribing to the audio and the video version. And speaking of the video version, any thoughts there, Matt? Absolutely. As always, especially if you're listening to this, uh, you can watch this over on our YouTube channel at Jury Outdoors. And of course, while you're there, we have tons of great content. Uh, we're ramping up now that the, of course, during spring turkey season, we had a bunch of cool turkey hunts, uh, but we'll start ramping up with um, some cool whitetail stuff here. In- informative tips. Uh, we got like a gamekeeper series we started. Um, we're going to start a, um, a deal for the new show critical mass called uh, CMX critical mass extreme, almost kind of like a cutting room floor, just like what we do with 13. Of course, there'll be new 13 cutting room floor, uh, episodes hitting as well. All that starts in July. So, um, we're hot and heavy in the edit process here at the studio and we got a lot of cool original content coming out soon. And, uh, of course the new TV shows will start up on outdoor channel, uh, July 
first or second, I believe. And uh, we're excited. We've got a lot of cool things cooking. So as always, you can follow us over on social media at Drury Outdoors. And uh, I think that covers it for me, man. Awesome. Well, thank you, everyone, for watching and listening. We appreciate it. Peace. See ya.